Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Just after three o'clock in the afternoon here at Bathurst, Mount Panorama, the scene, of course, of the Litmamolly Bathurst 12 hours for 2020. Good afternoon to those of you here listening on 87.8 FM around the track. We're around the world live to a huge audience already this Friday of endurance racing enthusiasts as we bring this disparate community together. Uh, on RS1, part of the RSL network. Some stories to be following up. There's been problems already. When is there not here at the mountain? It's just such a tough place to come and race and even to get your practice in. Free Practice 4 is coming up next, live and exclusively from the mountain. It's RS1 around the world. Bathurst 12 hours on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Let's get straight down to the pit lane and say good afternoon to Shea Adam, who's been chasing up uh, some of the dramas uh, that we've had so far, and none more, Shea, than the KCMG Nissan that uh, ripped off a corner in the uh, early running. This, in fact, the first free practice session this morning. Officially withdrawn now, the car of Katsumasa Chio, Sugio Matsuda, and Josh Burden. So that car will not be participating in any more sessions this weekend. Both of the Bentleys will not be taking part in this early part of the practice session at the very least. A full engine change going on for the number seven Bentley, while work continues underneath the front of the sister car, the number eight. But before we get into any more dramas, I wandered down to the other end of the pit lane because I wanted to have a word with some of our fast drivers from earlier on. And Cedric Spiriswali is standing, staring at his number 20. Hey, Cedric. Good to see you. And uh, welcome to Bathurst. What do you make of this place? Uh, it's amazing. It was always a dream for me to come race here. So I just feel like a, a kid right now, you know, enjoying every single lap. It's, it's amazing. These Mark cars are so cool to stare at. But what's it like to drive them? It's actually really nice to drive too. I'm, I'm used to racing with the uh, GT3 cars, but it's, uh, it's a really fun car. Like the downforce is pretty good. The, I think probably the braking is where it struggles the most respect to the GT3. But the car is fun. It has a lot of power. It's a very well balanced car. So I'm enjoying driving it so far. And sharing a car with three other drivers for a 12 hour race, that's going to give you a bit of a rest, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think the four driver with this heat is not a bad thing at all. Good luck this weekend, Cedric. Very nice to get to jump in with him. A guy that we're used to seeing uh, driving Raging Bulls, John. Yeah, absolutely. Mentioned that earlier on, actually, Shea. Uh, awful news, Shea, if you stay with us, about the KCMG, uh, uh, KCMG car. There was a thought that they might have been able to do most of the 
uh, remedial work here and then maybe taken somewhere else, but just too much damage? That's what it looks like. Um, once they got down to the bare frame and the bits and pieces that they could see more clearly, it became a much bigger issue than they thought initially. The left rear is pretty well crumpled. I'm not entirely sure their body shop would be able to take that out in the amount of time necessary, uh, or allotted, I should say. Um, but it's one of those things that they're still not the car well and truly alone they're still taking bits and pieces <laughs> off of it and you've got to be thinking that they're aware of spare parts that there might be some usable components from the 35 that the 18 heaven forbid might need too if they've already got it off of the old car it makes it a lot easier to put on the new one well and they've got such a busy, busy schedule as well Shay. thank you uh, that you know we know that they were shipping cars backwards and forwards from uh, Asia to the Middle East for the Dubai 24 and then back out to Asia and and here uh, for various events KCMG have a busy schedule they're here they might as well do some of, of the strip down work uh, while they're here anyway Richard Creel uh, and Johnny Palmer joining me John Heindorf in the booth that's an, I mean, it's an awful start to the week for KCMG. Literally a tail of the two cars, with one going really well in the early sessions. But we've lost our first car already. And my, when we look back down through the years, Krilzy, what sterling stories we've had from cars being pulled away to body shops in the, the local area and mm. straightened out, but uh, not able for that to uh, to occur this time around. No, there were some comments from Ian Geeky, who's a very experienced team manager. Uh, Australian gentleman who's been around the sport for a long time uh, running that KCMG squad this weekend and he said they had an expert come and look at the car and the damage where the impact was if they then pulled it straight it would create a, like a weak point where the metal had obviously overextended itself and it wouldn't be safe to run it so unfortunately they made the decision to park the car which is a massive shame um, it's a massive shame for young Josh Burden who's a real rising star of Australian motorsport and forging a very handy little career for himself racing cars. Um, Sugio Matsuda, who is an amazing Japanese champion driver, he's won Super GT and Super Formula and raced them in the same season for more than a decade. And of course, Katsumasa Chio, who was the hero for Nissan in 2015, very much almost the hero for the same team a year later when he pulled what was it, 13 seconds out of the Lady McLaren in the last four or five laps of the race and got within a couple of seconds at the end. Extraordinary scenes, he's a cult hero in these parts. So it's a shame, but that's the nature of this place. And how many times do we talk about this on the Friday of a 12 hour? Put the car on the wall, it, it could be weekend over. And it happens on Friday early in this event. And in this case, it happened in the very first practice session. Johnny Palmer, sitting in between Rich and myself. He, Rich is right, of course. Of course he is. But that won't dampen the disappointment from one side of that garage. And mm. what they've got to do now, and they are an experienced team, and I'm sure they will do it, but they've got to put that behind them now because they've got to put all their resources into the car that remains. A, a, a car, by the way, that has a, a really good sh shot and a fabulous result in the race. They do, and uh, yeah, the two fantastic drivers, Alex Imperatori, again, with plenty of recent experience in the Far East, actually racing on a Chinese license, despite being Swiss-born. Uh, João Paulo de Oliveira, the Brazilian, who is uh, one of a, a long list of rookies here this year, and Eduardo Liberati, who was also out in the same session. Um, 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very easy to actually get tangled up in Josh Burton's incident. So sometimes those early sessions are a matter of survival, whether it's your doing or not. Yeah. And that's what we talk about. You know, track time is at a premium, but also it's high risk stuff sometimes, depending on what sort of trim these cars are in, whether they're going for single lap speed for qualifying tomorrow. And the slightest of errors on that top section uh, really can spell disaster, particularly at BP Ultimate Reed Park, where Josh made his, well, we don't know yet, but uh, quite possibly Burden's mistake. Well, at compare and contrast, Creelsey, the issue that the 77 Mercedes-AMG GT3 had, where they actually had a, a collapsed rear suspension that mm. pitched them into the wall at Griffin Bend, and, and, you know, you would have thought, wow, they've got away with something there. That car back on the track in the third session today and, and lapping very rapidly indeed. There's no rhyme or reason to what happens here. And well, I imagine if that, a collapsed rear, right rear corner, had happened at McPhillamy Park. Yeah. When the car is loaded up at 230 kilometres an hour, 1.3 tonne race car with what would be three times that force going through the right-hand side of the car, and we've just had a big spin. I'll come back to that at Forest Elbow, and it was the Castrol R Motorsport Aston Martin Vantage AMR. It's had a very, very big lose through the right-hander, and it spun through 360 degrees, scraped the front against the Maguire's barrier on the inside, so driver's left, it's downhill, you're braking and turning the car into the elbow before Conrod Strait, and they've got away with it. I caught the car spinning, on our CCTV feed, we've got the commentary box for today in lieu of live photos. That was a wild moment, and well, it's Scott Dixon behind the wheel. Perfect example. That could, you know, if that yeah. had been two corners further back up at the dipper, and he wiped off a rear corner, we could have been in exactly the same position. There but really is no rhyme or reason. When you're arriving sort of sideways at the elbow, you know, how easily could he have been collected, Scotty Dixon, there as well? And this is what I mean, being involved in an accident not of your own making, as, yes, a... It's not a scratch on the front of that car. Look, the splitter looked pretty intact. How has he got away with that? That is just phenomenal. Because he's Scott Dixon. Yeah. He's probably thinking, it's lucky there's no TV coverage today. No one would have seen that. Sorry, Scotty. Uh, <laughs> the security camera tells all. The All the Aston fans will have thoroughly enjoyed that, though, because they got oh. to see the car from every angle. Wow. <laughs> Thank God, the Castrol. It's, it, it was bought a save more done by good luck than good management, but an enormous amount of driving talent behind the wheel of that car. All three drivers, let alone the six-time IndyCar champion, the most winning drivers in the history of American open-wheel racing, yep. and still going. That's the thing that gets me. He's still notching up statistics and hunting down the all-time greats on that then the american statistical records of usac and cars and indycar and all the various disciplines over the years it's truly phenomenal what he's done he should be a, a bigger superstar than he is in his native new zealand Show you, Adam. you guys have four rolex watches now after last weekend yeah. um yeah scott dixon you go for a spin over the top of the mountain and you think he would want to get out of the car and collect himself Nope. He pulled back into the pit box. The crew is examining things. They pulled the tires off, making sure everything's good. Driver's door opened, and a mechanic asked, hey, you want to get out? Nope. Scott Dixon's going to go around again. Get right back on the horse, I think, after it's you gotta fall be right. off. Yeah. Got to be right. I cannot believe there's not a scratch on that car. And, he needs and to put the lotto on, well, doesn't he? That was extraordinary. He really does. Get a bet on for the weekend, Scotty. I mean, really. He has some... Um, 
Is, is Dixie playing this kind of well? So Rolex 24, 24 hours of motor racing. Yeah. Jump on a plane, come to Mount Panorama. Um, he and his lovely wife, Emma, have just had their third child very recently. So he's just a couple of weeks away. Sans uh, infant baby, sleep sleep filled nights, no distractions. Is it good timing or good management, do you think, from uh, Scott Dixon? I, I said this in uh, Rolex coverage over on RS2 that I remember having that very conversation with Guy Smith uh, after I think his second daughter uh, was born, saying, you know, um, getting away from home at the moment, etc., etc. Uh, and you know how you say dealing with the sleep deprivation of coming back to a 24 hours he went sleep deprivation i've got more sleep here than i would at home mate which i'm sure went down a storm uh, back at home we're in prime time on the west coast of america at the moment carol brink tuned in from uh, overlooking uh, monterey bay at the moment hello to alex Polowski. he said uh, i know it would be expensive but we'd love to see cameras for friday practice pictures are better on radio that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. We continue our tradition of bringing you live and exclusive audio coverage from the early running here to whet your appetite. Uh, we will have no further action for the moment. Mm. There is a red flag on the circuit. Red flag on the circuit. Uh, let's see if we can pick out the cause of that. Nothing visible your side? on no. my monitors at this point in time. Let's see what race control are looking at. We've, yeah, got, we've got a view of race control uh, at the moment. My bet it's something on the top of the mountain at the moment. Very experienced team in race control this weekend. James Taylor returns as the race director. A terrific job calling the race last year and really lives by the adage of doing everything he can to stay green. Um, and if something can be recovered under local yellows, he'll do it. Uh, and that was part of the reason why we smashed the distance record in the race last year at 312 laps and alongside is Craig Baird the five-time Porsche Carrera Cup Australia champion um, one of the most successful one-make Porsche races in the world and the driver standards uh, officer for both the Virgin Australia Supercast Championship and this event so uh, and you've a got to say in race control he's heard all the excuses and he's made most of them probably well, absolutely as well particularly in tell you that single mask racing uh, the closeness of the racing anywhere that there's a Porsche Carrera Cup around the world means that you've probably had a bit of unintended uh, contact down through the years. So a perfect man to do that job. And uh, he's done it well for a wee while now, to be fair. It was very handy in a GT3 car here. Particularly impressive drive in 2012 in the... Um, Ferrari 458, wasn't it, with uh, Matt Griffin, Clearwater Racing, Mok Wen Sung, Chinese driver. It's the 46, I'm being told, that's in the wall. It's the Black Falcon the Black AMG, Falcon. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and flashing yellow is heading down to the S's, says Ken Martin. He's tweeted in at RSL underscore studio. So something down there, maybe. It's what we're guessing at the moment. And I can see... 13.8 is the entry point so that's the top of mount panorama yeah. is where the accident is and confirming it is 46 sergey afanasiev is the driver behind the wheel first time at mount panorama not for the team for the driver and it can as we've already seen today claim some victims early on 
So all the cars rumbling back into pit lane. There were a few cursory fast laps banked into the 206s. Um, track not changed significantly since early practice. A bit more cloud cover around. And it did spend a good couple of hours in quite permanent cloud cover. The sun has broken through for the start of this session, but I'm wondering if that's going to help some lap speed later on because the pace today hasn't been overly fast. 204.9 was the quickest time in practice three earlier on, and we saw a four and a half in practice two from the triple nine Grouper M car earlier on today. In this session 12 months ago, Johnny Palmer, we were well into the threes. Three and a half was the quickest time. So um, we expect them to go faster. Track conditions and temperature will, of course, play a role in that as well. 87.8 FM around the track. Thank you for those of you who have uh, made the move up here early. The capsites, particularly behind the paddock, very full uh, indeed. And it looks like another bumper, uh, bumper uh, attendance this weekend. Uh, if you're around this evening, the team from Radio Show Limited will be heading down for our normal collective meetup at the Oxford. Apparently, they do serve lemonade, which is fine for Johnny. I'll be all right for what? you, won't it? A quick lemonade tonight. Okay, yeah. yeah. I've got to be on my best behaviour, have I? Oh, yeah. Mm. Meeting your fans, that'll signing that'll your be autographs. Difficult, but okay, I'll give you You and Shear were signing as many autographs as the, as the drivers down at the track to town thing the other day. It was extraordinary, Grilsy, wasn't it? Miss Jax had us all covered, though. It's got to keep their egos in the box, I think, this weekend before it gets Tricky. too out of hand. Mm. So, still waiting for the McLaren of uh, Dominic Story to return, if indeed it is Afanasiev who've had that. Had to, well, no, his car's back, 46, so it can't have been that big of a deal for the Mercedes. If, uh, maybe just a scrape down the wall. It was definitely 46. That was confirmed by race control. So, okay. may have uh, been another to dodge the proverbial bullet at the top of Mount Panorama in today's practice session. Scott Dixon earlier on with a massive spin at the elbow. Maguire's corner this weekend. And this one at significantly higher speed at the top of Mount Panorama. So uh, all cars now being shown back in pit lane. And as I say that, the green flag flies on the starter's gantry on the Liquamoli front stretch and indeed under the Liquamoli bridge here on pit straight. And we return to practice number four with 50 minutes exactly on the clock. And just before the red flag flew, a few decent lap times started to emerge. Jamie Winkup went to the top at a 206.0. Matt Campbell second and Ben Barker, the Grove Group Porsche to third place. British driver going along well and it's now rush hour. <laughs> Everyone out onto the road to try and maximise this final session. And this will be interesting. I'm keen to see how fast these cars can go in these conditions because these are the conditions we're very likely to get when we get to qualifying tomorrow at about lunchtime, early afternoon. And then the Pirelli shootout is later on in the afternoon. It starts at four o'clock so it'll run into that early twilight mm. long shadows over mount panorama so the conditions consistently change you definitely want to be the last car out which means you want to be the first car in qualifying tomorrow and that qualifying session is just tantalizingly good stuff i know we've mentioned this before but people are joining our coverage all the way through uh, the weekend so crazy just run down the, the situation with uh, tv coverage here uh, in Australia and uh, New Zealand. The, the international coverage, ladies and gents, doesn't change. Exactly what you've expected to see. The stream will be up early doors in the morning and the excellent crew of play-by-play -play commentators taking you through the support races that we're on at 
20 past eight or something in the morning so it'll be an early breakfast before we come in uh, and a little bit of a change but no detrimental change to what the the home audience is seeing this year no more tv so morning streamed until 11 30 and then afterwards international stream continues as is in australia live and exclusive and ad break free on fox sports 506 when in session so that's going to be brilliant so qualifying one and two on live tv for the first time in the history of the race uh, support races in the afternoon also on fox and ko sport their streaming service and then the pirelli shootout in the afternoon live of course and ad break free through the 10 cars and then on sunday the entire race live and ad break free in hd on fox sports 506 and live on free to air on seven mate also available in hd now as well yeah. so that's how you can watch the race if you're in this part of the world if you're in new zealand our friends over at sky sports new zealand have the rights over there so you'll be able to watch that throughout they'll take the full fox sports feed of the race coverage and then everywhere else bathurst12hour.com.au and various affiliates, including Radio Show Limited, will be taking all of the live stream vision in sound and vision throughout the course of the weekend. And I got to shake an absolute broadcast hero of mine's hand recently uh, in our production meeting because Neil Crompton is joining us this weekend to do some presenting and add his expertise down in the lane. Winner of the 94, Bathurst 12 hour. The, the, the team car mm. to his car that won is in the National Motor Museum at the moment, the Mazda RX. It looks tiny, yeah. for one thing. It looks... It looks sorry, is that... A, is that a 5 8 replica of the car? No, that's the real car. That was the car that qualified on pole position and then didn't finish. And uh, Neil went on to, to win that race. Yeah, Mark Scaife qualified that car in the museum on pole. The car that Neil won the race in is in the Mazda head office down in Melbourne in Australia. Still exists, still a thing. and was actually up here in October last year on display uh, to commemorate Greg Hansford's amazing career. He was the co-driver in that car and won the race so great to have uh, neil as part of the broadcast uh, what it will ensure is that when we're starting to predict weather on sunday we'll be absolutely bang on neil is a fully qualified pilot gets the weather service that are provided yeah. to pilots brian Till does that for us yeah. in, so, in the um, united states I, I suggest our predi predictions of rain will become slightly more accurate than they perhaps have <laughs> been in the past he brings more than just weather forecasting. Yeah, to okay. Right, I, I was going to say, you've reduced his role somewhat there. <laughs> An Australian broadcast legend becomes our weather forecaster for the weekend. Uh, shit, Adam in the pit lane. Well, you guys were speaking of rain, so it's appropriate that I'm down at Black Falcon because they won the rain-affected Dubai 24 hours, correct? I'm not just making things up now. Seven hours, 16 minutes, and 24 seconds of, of Dubai. Dubai. Okay, fair enough. Well, this car, the 46, has driven back to the garage. Unfortunately, I think it's about an eighth of an inch shorter than it was when it left the garage. There's some blue paint around the nose. It very clearly has nosed into something quite hard because it's bent out just above the top of the wheel well on both sides uh, the the nose is actually crumpled up and the crumple zone is further along than you would think it was but this car will not be resuming during this session by the looks of it all the mechanics taking off their outside assisted uh, in terms of trying to stay fireproof nobody has the balaclavas on anymore and all the mechanics have been told right guys you might want to get comfy this is going to take a while and it's going to be hot enough without your fire suits all the way up Adam down there in the pit lane. 
and she'll be with us again for the bulk of tomorrow and then for Sunday Chad Nalen Charlie Robinson and we've mentioned Neil Crompton already will be down there and delighted to say that we welcome back Mark Beretta uh, and uh, joined by Chris Stubbs uh, in the pit lane and hosting as well so we've got the A-team on this weekend not sure how we three reprobates <laughs> kind of I think we've, we've just, just sneaked in again the in commentary yeah, pretty much. stopped anybody else yeah, exactly in. right yeah I always take the I always try to take pieces of equipment with me so that if they don't you know invite me back then there's what? something short hold them to ransom to. yeah absolutely I, I know how these boxes work and things like that now. yeah I've been told okay <laughs> it's a game no, it's plan it's going to be an excellent broadcast. Uh, there's some times, gents. We'll talk about that. Excellent. Uh, ben Barker's just punched out a 205.7, the number four Grove Group car. We touched on it earlier. It's a great story. This is a team that's won the Class B in the Look and Molly Bathurst 12 hour on multiple occasions. And ben has been part of that outfit. They've taken the big step up to GT3 this year. Father and son duo of Brenton and Stephen Grove will be sharing that car with Ben, who's been racing with them for a long time. It's a real team effort putting that program together. Lots of experience from Herberth Motorsport looking after the running of that car. Uh, they know how to win. Some gurus they know from, how to win. Yeah, some gurus from Triple Eight have parachuted over to that team for the weekend as well. John Russell, vastly experienced engineer amongst them, and he looked after Brenton in Super 2 Series last year in uh, his season in touring car racing here. And, um, and then the Grove Racing team that run in Porsche Pace Career Cup Australia are uh, also involved. So it's a real coming together to well, fill that car. It's a team of many talents, isn't it? You've got the experience from the mountain, you've got the experience with Porsches, you've got the international experience as well. That's that's really impressive, Krilzy. It just underlines, doesn't it, that it's not just about the, the nut behind the steering wheel, it's what goes on in the lane, on the pit wall, with the strategy. And they've got their bases covered there, haven't they? Yeah, it's a strong team. Yep, absolutely. And we've seen that that we've seen that team go well in the past here. We really are. Yeah, they know this place well. They understand the conditions. They understand what it takes to build a good race. And what it takes to build a good 12-hour is the same in Class I as it is in Class A. You just ratchet up the pace the further up the field you get. Yeah. So it'll be the same stuff happening. It'll just be coming at them a little bit quicker. But, but they're up to the job. I, I really believe that. Um, Stephen Grove and uh, and Brenton went over and represented Australia in the FIA World Motorsport Games in the same car they're racing this weekend. That's actually the same chassis from Herbert Motorsport, and they are they, Stephen especially one of the most parochial Australians you'll find in the paddock. Very very much loves flying the flag, and uh, he and his good mate Mark Sini went and contested the full Porsche Super Cup last season and. They filmed a piece for Porsche Germany at the start of the year. It was supposed to be a one-off. Um, they did one every round. They're just their Aussie sense of humour and the way they approached it and staring people up. They loved it so much. They became sort of uh, heroes within that paddock, which was good fun. And it's good to see Mark Seen here as well in the Hallmark Audi. The gaps at the top of the times at the moment. There's a full second between Ben Barker's number four Pro-Am class car and the 9 an absolute... Porsche with Patrick Peele behind the wheel. Then things get really tight. 16 one thousandths of a second back to Maxi Gertz in the Triple Eight Mercedes AMG GT3. Uh, Chris Meese uh, is about a tenth further back in the 22 Audi. 
the two out each team minute. Frederick Vervish is another, oh, two one thousandths of a second further back. And then another couple of tenths back to the, uh, the Honda. Actually, it says Acura stroke Honda NSX on my timing screen, but it is a Honda uh, here. Dan Cameron behind the wheel of the number 30 car. Great to see the NSX here for the first time. Uh, almost got one here last year. Listed as a Honda on the official entry list. Acura yep. not in the Aussie market. Honda no. certainly are, though, and yeah. they've been building up their motorsport presence of late, which has been very, very impressive. There is no difference between the two cars no. other than the badging, uh, and that comes down to marketing, uh, effectively. Uh, it's on that car, that's, it is, it's not always the same on the rest of the cars in the range. Acura uh, sometimes do have different versions of, of cars, uh, in particularly in the United States, from from the Hondas, but for the NSX, it is literally a badge change. I wouldn't read too much into that margin at the top, early days, and a lot of colour on the timing monitor indicating improved lap times at the moment, but just to illustrate how close it is between Patrick Pillay in second place, the number 911 Porsche, down to 14th place, Chaz Mostert, is exactly one second in the next group of 13 cars. So, phenomenally close. It was a very good lap from Ben Barker, but I don't think that will be the fastest lap of the session. No, five zero is a good time. It is. I think actually a lot of these cars will be pretty laden with fuel right now, and I think yep. they've thrown them out for a for a dummy stint, pretty much, and <laughs> an hour long. Uh, having Marcello. said that, <laughs> Raffaele Marcello in the triple nine Mercedes AMG GT3 has just plonked in a two oh four nine four zero. That's getting pretty close to the fastest lap we've seen so far uh, this week for the liquid molly bathurst 12 hours creelsey and we love raffaelli he, he, he is an entertainer as much as he is a racing driver it's pretty serious uh, especially when he's behind the wheel of one of these things and he had all kinds of energy in motor race last year very good shootout lap qualified second uh, was elevated to pole and the r motorsport car lost its pole lap with the phenomenally weird scenario last year where the two pole sitters pole being one in a shootout at the two major races here both of them lost their pole positions in yeah. one instance one started from pole and continued on in the 12 hour they lost the pole saturday night and had to start from 11th place due to the penalty and that was jake dennis after that amazing shootout lap in the whaling v12 aston martin so it's a strange circumstance but marcello was really impressive last year and that car right throughout the weekend in 2019 was fast. It was good in practice. They had good race. They had good tyre life too, which was really impressive. Some of the other Mercedes were struggling with braking issues as well. Yep. They had none of the sort. And JP, they were in the mix right to the very end. Yeah, and uh, having real Mercedes specialists, I think, that are used to that car and what it takes to actually slow the thing down. It's a reasonably heavy car on the BOP. Um, but if you're used to driving the Nürburgring Nordschleife, which I think shares some comparisons with this place in its narrow nature and uh, a couple of hard stops around here as well, um, then it, it just becomes second nature. And Marcello, yes, has become a, a real star. He, he, he might have had a career with Ferrari, if you go back yeah. far enough, uh, but has really found a home now in the GT3 ranks all around the world. So great to have him back again. And he's 86 thousandths of a second clear now of Ben Barker. And that car comes back into the pits as we talk about it. Hello to Christopher Matthews, who's listening in Reading in the UK. 
I've been spending my overnight work shift hauling the shopping trolleys back from the parking lot into the store. What a time, it's half past four in the morning. Chris, good to hear that you're with us. He's very disappointed to hear that uh, Chayo and the others in the Chio in the uh, 35 can't take part this weekend. Uh, but uh, he says a great fast time for the triple nine. Can't disagree with you there, Chris. Uh, get home safely after your shift early hours of the morning back there in the UK and testament to the endurance of the enthusiasts around the world as well as those that take part in the Lakewood Money Bathurst 12 hours here. So Christopher Mace has just popped the 22 Audi up into fourth place with a 205.70. He's on a reasonably long run, six laps into his stint now and punching out fastest lap times, which brings up another point, gents, that in qualifying tomorrow, it's going to be an after-the-siren job. It will be right at the very end. The chequered flag's going to be out. You need to be on your last lap yeah. just after the chequered flag drops because... The way these tyres are producing their lap time, it's a long way into a run. Yeah. Three or four laps easily before they're at their absolute peak to generate the kind of lap time you're going to need to qualify the car. We saw that last year in quality. We're proving that again in practice. And that just moves that benchmark in quality later and later and later into the session. Checkered flag's going to be out. There's going to be six cars on a lap. Easily. You still won't know who's going to be on fire. It's almost like what happens when you've had a wet shower and the track's drying up and last man across the line JP gets pull position and yeah. I love that scenario but this place because as Krilzy says of the unique nature of how the track is affected by just a couple of degrees Celsius it could be exactly that tomorrow afternoon yeah yeah and the fact that this place is six kilometers round uh, it does take a fairly long time for that final car to cross the line even when the checker flag has come out so yeah bear in mind you know we might call checker don't leave the fence don't leave your spectating <laughs> point because you'll probably miss the pole lap at least for the the bog standard qualifying session that really does extend quite a bit beyond the time limit uh, ben mcmanus among others using the hashtag b12hr uh, so where's the bentley's bentley's not coming out in this right. session we heard from Shea earlier on johnny yeah concerns about those cars uh, th th amazingly there was a problem that hit different problems for the seven and the eight but they struck at the same time and Shea reported uh, i think it was a seven car that was spewing hot water out of uh, the engine bay one's got a drive problem and well Shea will be able to tell us Shea Adam, down in the pit lane, remind us about the Bentleys and then you can tell us where we are. Seven has no engine, still, uh, last time I drove past there, and the eight had five mechanics in the engine bay the last time I walked past. So neither of the Bentleys still looking like they're going to get out in this last 30 minutes of the session. Definitely not for the seven. I tried to tweet you a picture of the seven, actually, John. Not sure if it went through on my phone or not. Um, but I'm just up at the Honda end. Still well really hard to say no, that, no, well but that's done, fine. Well um, because Dean Cameron has gotten out of that car. And I promised him yesterday that I would come find him after he'd done a long stint. So, Dane, now that you've got some laps under your belt, and by the way, just for Crailsey, because he's been fanboying over you being <laughs> here for the first time ever. Crailsey, Richard Crail is up in the booth uh, with us. <laughs> What's this place like? Uh, it's really cool. It's kind of hard to explain in a way. Some parts are quite simple. Some parts are about as difficult as anywhere in the world, for sure. So very cool and uh, very rewarding when you start to kind of piece the lap together and it starts to make some sense. Uh, pretty cool. Some sections where 
you know, in a GT3 car, you feel like you're almost more in a prototype. They're so quick and um, when the balance is good through there. So, yeah, really, really enjoying it. And uh, we're all sort of taking our time and trying to find our footing. Uh, obviously, we saw in the first session people getting pretty greedy right out of the gate. So we're kind of step by step getting quicker every lap that we do and getting more comfortable. But, yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a place for sure. How do the track conditions feel since you've just gotten out of the car? Is it still dirty out there? I don't think it's too dirty, but obviously the temperature is super high at this stage. So, um, you know, tires, quite easy to overheat the tires. And, um, you know, for us, like I said, we're really just finding our footing and finding the right rhythm, you know, down the hill from Skyline down there. That's pretty much all the lap time around this place. Um, yeah, but obviously it can bite you if you overbid too soon. So we're kind of literally lap by lap a little quicker than the one before and, um, and trying to inch up to it. So I've had... Uh, had Scotty and Fabian on speed dial and uh, calling in some favors and uh, asking for a bit of help and uh, to get tuned up around the place. So they've been uh, been helping us out a little bit. Yeah, you're a Penske man. So having DJR team Penske on the speed dial has got to be a, a serious asset. Tim Slade is going to be driving with Scotty this year. He's in a Ferrari, though, so he's not going to be giving you too much advice. Yeah, Dad, I haven't seen him yet. So uh, hey, Slade, if you're around. So um, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's you know fun part of being on a big team like, uh, like Team Penske at home can lean on some people when you uh, try a different discipline and uh, obviously this place is quite tricky for for new guys so yeah just a bit of texting back and forth on hey what about this what do I do here uh, it's different scenarios things like that so those guys have been super helpful and um, yeah Ringer's been here once before so him as well so yeah first time for the the Honda NSX here oh almost got me there um, but yeah getting getting settled in car seems fairly happy so we'll keep uh, keep chipping away and see if we can have a have a nice couple days here thanks for the chat Dane thank you Dane Cameron with uh, Shea Adam. Improvement uh, at the sharper end of the timing screen for Maxi Goertz has got the 888 Mercedes AMG GT3. That's the uh, that's the dream team in some respects, isn't it? Jamie Wincup and Shane Van Gisbergen uh, in that car. That's up to fifth position with a 205790. Was Cameron McConville dragged the Lamborghini Huracan the number six car, the wall racing lap up uh, into well inside the top 20 at 17, has found some time as well. Got a bit closer at the sharp end of the field, Creelsey. It was a second, and now a bit less than that. Yep, sure is. Uh, Maxi Book's lap time. To put the triple nine car, it was Marciello's lap before, there's, there's 0.08 between himself and Ben Barker, nothing between it. Top. 13 covered by two seconds at the moment, but again, not representative. There's different programs going on. Um, Farnbacher, by the way, is behind the wheel of the Honda as we speak, and they've got that car in the 10, so early days, but that car looks like it's a pretty handy package here at Mount Panorama, which is really promising to see. There's been a lot of anticipation to get the NSX to this venue in GT3 form, so it's good to see. Nick Perkat, fastest in the Mark Cars class, invitational class. Ain't that right at the moment. Thank you very much. Uh, Aston Martin questions coming in from a few people, including Right Turn Lover, who's in uh, Switzerland. And um, by the way, Chris Christopher Matthias, I'm so pleased I got his place. He's in Reading, but not in Reading in the UK. Uh, Reading in Pennsylvania, so slightly different time zone. It's not that much four in the morning for him uh, at all. Uh, what's happening with the Aston Martins, JP? Uh, from uh, one of our Swiss listeners our motorsport from around those parts of course yeah well a frightening moment for Scott Dixon earlier on in the session when he rotated at uh, Forest Elbow rather too excessively but that car 
got Rick Kelly at the wheel now and is running. So 22nd position, yeah. So the 76 car having set a 208.0 is its best session, the best time of the session rather. And the other Aston's is number 62, is it not? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. And Luca Giotto uh, in the pit lane. So Giotto, who's had some LMP1 experience recently, driving the uh, LNT Janetta, um, lending his hand to the new Vantage AMR. That's the car we didn't have here last year because uh, the homologation rules were in a slightly different phase. They've been adjusted now, which I'm very excited about because this event, you know, another notch up, really, because fans can come and see a brand new GT3 car for the season ahead here on the mountain. And that car's 23rd. That's why I couldn't find it. It's right next yeah. to the sister car. So 22nd and 23rd currently. Ollie Colwell's just jumped behind the wheel. New signing for our motorsport. Look at Giotto's a good get for that team, isn't he? Experienced so, yeah. guy and race winner multiple seasons now in FIA Formula 2 racing tier below F1 yeah runs on the world championship program so that's good no pace yet but Rick Kelly's just started his stint in Carnival 76 he's just gone 20th at a 7.8 but I would suggest now with the former winner of the Superchip Auto Bathurst 1000 behind the wheel it will rocket up the order back to where we're accustomed to seeing our motorsport at this venue after their starring performance last year came here with one pro and one pro-am car last year very much two pro cars with a realistic shot at a, a big result in 2020 see what ollie caldwell can do on his laps but early days for rick they gave scott dixon a lot of the early running in this session I haven't seen too much of jake dennis today either i think they've no. realized he's um probably the most experienced in an aston martin at mount panorama even if it's not the same aston martin that he raced at Mount Panorama 12 months ago. Well, we made the point, didn't we, in the, the walkabout show, which is available to download or listen on demand, and we'll be playing it, I'm sure, at the end of this session as well, if you haven't heard it. Extraordinary to think, Creelsey, that, that Jake Dennis is effectively the team leader mm. in terms of experience with Aston Martin and here at this track. Yeah, in a car with the best IndyCar driver of a generation, and a guy who's won the Supercars Championship in the Bathurst 1000 and the Gold Star and Rick Kelly. So, yep, but that's what Jake Dennis did last year. Burst onto the landscape. He was awesome. Shootout lap was spectacular. Race pace was great. And did tell us in that pit lane walkabout that this year he drives that car and scrapes the mirror off on the inside at the elbow. There will not be one car passing. No the 62 there won't be room for a sheet of paper never mind a Porsche 911 if that no. the, the look on his face it, you could still see the hurt on his face couldn't you when he was reliving that Quilsey I felt bad for a moment bringing it up but his answer was very good oh, it's great the, it's worth listening to the point I was trying to get across was that despite the disappointment he was awesome yeah. and really really impressive yeah uh, maybe didn't phrase it quite possibly because I said so when you lost pole and lost the motor race uh, how did you <laughs> I rephrased it pretty quickly, but perhaps not the most direct question I've ever asked in my life. Rick Kelly's just gone 15th, flying up the order. It's an 8-1 and a 7-5, now a 6-8, getting up to speed rapidly in car number 76. And just wanted to give a shout-out to Alabama Motorsport, the Ned Racing Team. Engine change in car 12 between practice 2 and 3. Ran absolutely faultlessly and punched out very good lap times. And David Calvert-Jones is behind the wheel of that car at the moment. Currently 15th, fastest at a 2.068. It's a very good lap time for the AM driver in the Pro-Am entered Ned Racing Team entry. 
Romain Dumas and Jackson Evans to jump into that as well. Still Mercedes AMG, triple nine, Grupa M Racing entry on top. Grove Group, Porsche second, Elmer Berman third in 77. Hasn't that car just been hovering around the top two or three all day long with all three drivers behind the wheel? Dries Van Thor behind the wheel of car two. Yes, brother of. So the Van Thor boys, one in a Porsche, one in an Audi. And now Marcus Winkelhock's behind the wheel of triple two. He's just come into pit lane in the Audi. And the third of the Team Valvoline entries, Christopher Meese, right behind. They're fourth, fifth and sixth in the running order. Split by under three tenths of a second. And all lapping very, very competitively. Shane Van Gisbergen is behind the wheel of car triple eight or triple eight race engineering. He's taken over that from Jamie Wincup. Patrick Pillay behind the wheel of 9.11, but in pit lane and eighth. Dominic Bauman is behind the wheel of the 75 Sun Energy One racing car that David Reynolds was so good in earlier on today. And rounding out the top 10 now is Marco Mappelli. Mm. That's the FFF Racing Lamborghini Huracan. Yeah, the 22 you speak of just coming to pit lane, but that was an 11-lap stint for Chris Meese, so a little bit of mileage then for the third of the Valvoline Audis, whereas Marcus Winkelhock not quite as long stint-wise, and Fred Vervich handing over to Dries Fantor last time around. Look out for Eduardo Liberati as well, 14 laps now completed for the number 18, the sole surviving Nissan GTR Nismo from KCMG. And Mark Sini going about his business pretty well, also... Uh, easily missed further down the order. Senior's been in that car for a good 10 laps too. Question on regulations that you may or may not know the answer to, Krilsey. Um How late can you go before you can't change the drivers anymore? Or are they locked in from first free practice? For the... For any car. So if you wanted to do... If you wanted to change a driver or a couple of drivers for other drivers who were declared but perhaps whose car couldn't take part in the race um, it's up to the stewards discretion uh, I believe it's locked as of prior to qualifying I would have thought right I can double check that for you Wait, you know why I'm asking that don't you well yeah. I am in but KCMG um, world yes yeah I, I cannot for the life of me fathom a reason as good as those three drivers are you'd replace the other three in the existing car because all three of those are very, very impressive in their own right. True. They've both entered as pro cars, though, aren't they? So yep. no restriction as far as precious metals are concerned no. in that. No, So no, Liberace being uh, the silver-rated driver, would you would you plug in, and no disrespect, but would you plug in one of the Japanese instead of him? My thought, I, exactly. I think he's a sneaky silver, though. Yeah. He was very good here last year. True. And that car with Imperatori and he, JP Dilavera, joins them this year. They were in the mix right up to the very end of the race mm. last year. So it had take a pretty convincing argument, to me at least, to... Um, and then there's the risk of unsettling the team. Yeah. That's because the you, thing. Because yeah. you That's come here knowing thing, that you're going to be a trio. Absolutely right. And you don't want to cause, this, you know, this rocking the boat in the, within the team. I mean, who'd be in that business meeting where you go, yeah, you're not in and we're going to replace you? That's so, so tough, just ahead of a, a, a massive motor race. And then which one do you pick if you're have to? If you going to put one of those yeah. three drivers from the 35 car in? Who do you pick? Chiel. D do you? Yes. Not Matsuda. Oh, that yeah, guy's incredible so. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good point. That's so tough because if the because if the race then doesn't pan out as you want, you know, it's all on that guy that made a decision, isn't it? Mm. 
Yeah. Has someone asked that question, John, or are you just uh, postulating theories? I, I'm. I, I was talking earlier on about you know getting past the incident and maximising your operation around a single car. It struck me that that might not just be within pit crew and and what's going on in the garage. And I, I wonder if that conversation is going on. Um, well, it's a moot point because uh, according to Article 2.9.1 of the race supplementary regulations, no trains of driver nominations will be permitted after 1,700 hours Australian Eastern Daylight Time, uh, which is the time zone we are in, on Thursday, 30th of January, right. which was yesterday. Right. So you're locked. That's it. Uh, there, was okay. the, there was the answer I was looking for. Thank you. And well at done. the same time, I've just got a text from Craig Baird confirming the same thing. So... Thanks, Beardo, for that. So, unfortunately, Obviously Craig, listening you're is, listening to us. Craig, you're out of a uh, you're out of a gig as well. Unfortunately, no drivers for you. To <laughs> stick to race. Control. I thought one of the two uh, GT4 teams might be thinking about a fourth driver last minute <laughs> <laughs> going along to Nissan. Hello. You ever driven a Mercedes GT4, Sudio? <laughs> the answer would be no, but I will. I'll give it a go. Yeah. Andrea Caldarelli, it's the first trip for the Lamborghini to the mountain, and clearly it's going well. Marco Mapelli just brought it up to third overall. Is the car feeling very stable right now in these hot conditions? Yeah, just jump out of the car. We were on uh, all tires, and uh, we were focusing on the race pace, and the car felt pretty good. Uh, I think Marco will go out in quali tomorrow. And he knows the he knows the truck better than uh, both of us, me and Dennis. So the truck looks fantastic. The car is uh, responding quite well uh, honestly we don't have many data unfortunately it's really the first time uh, for the Lambo really here um, but uh, so far it's, uh, it looks quite uh, quite good more important to have a good race setup than a qualifying setup too yeah that's what they all told me for this race you know uh, they all said the race is gonna be like very uh, on a strategy and on the pace and the, the truck required really like uh, a rhythm instead of like a really big push lap but uh, you know to start in front is always good always good and especially given that the start of the race is at night it's during the dark time so marco qualifying you'll put him out there for the start too yeah that's why you know if you are uh, if you follow behind someone in the night it's not so easy if you are a first it, that's uh, much better <laughs> thanks andre thanks. thank you and that of course uh, was the orange one triple f racing team lamborghini running in the pro class that is the 63 car so she was talking about that it's a good squad it um, is marco mapelli's just put that car fourth as shay said so watch out for dennis lind yeah that, that's a cracking team they're going to be in really good shape uh money laps starting to pop up shane mm. is bergen 204.88 now jumps to the top the margin 0 0.05 over maxi book so the amg is continuing to lock out practice here at mount panorama Ben Barker's very impressive lap time of a 205.02 remains third and first in Pro-Am. But that's a good lap from SVG. He's just jumped aboard car 888 now for a late run. And just on this uh, discussion point we're talking about drivers, there are some force majeure options in there as well. Absolutely. Injury, Always is. sickness, health. Um, they are other elements. That, You've got to have that because that there's got to be an, an element of common sense and fair play mm. um, it's, but it, under normal circumstances it's not allowed it's what, and I don't mean to name drop here but this, this has actually stimulated some chat and I've had text from the race director the driver standards advisor and a noted category administrator all on the same subject all just chiming in with some advice about yeah. late driver changes who they've probably all suffered through 
the team comes to them on a Saturday night going, um, we need to find a way to put another well, driver in our car. Well, and, and, and look, let's be honest, we've seen in the past, and, and this changes now uh, at Le Mans, uh, but any endurance race, if you have a, a, an injury or an illness to a driver and all of a sudden you go from three to two drivers and you've got to put them through all of an endurance race, there's a safety aspect for that. It might actually take them out of the regulations in terms of maximum driver's time. So in a situation like that, of course, it's absolutely sensible to say, well, you know, if you can drag a guy in who knows what he's doing, you can find somebody in the paddock, then by all means, let's bring him in to keep that car in the race. Because at Le Mans now, you can't start a car with only two drivers. Is that a, a, a relatively new rule? Because uh, it, was, it was after the year when we had... Well, Narain Carthacane dislocated his shoulder in uh, leaping the pit wall Correct. just prior to the start, didn't he? So they had to go down to two cars. I remember two we had drivers, a GT yeah. Two, two drivers. I remember we had a GTE AM car, which was then minus the bronze machine and had to become a GTE Pro car overnight in time for the race. That was Cooper McNeil and Jerome Blinkemolen who Correct. then got bumped up to GTE Pro where they finished fifth in that category. Which, just the driver, which driver did we lose then from the, uh, the trio? Lee Keane was the one that we yeah. lost. How does she know this stuff? Full <laughs> of useless information, Johnny. No, no, it's not useless at all, Shay. Oh. Brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> Those long nights at 24-hour races fly by when you've got Shear to uh, fire you in. That's remarkable knowledge. I struggle to work out what colour the sky is sometimes. So to well, I don't know what date it is, really is right now. I'm, I haven't known what date it is since we, we broke up for Christmas. Christmas on a Wednesday and having all kinds of weird sports on Thursdays and Tuesdays when they should be on the weekend and then being in several different time zones. I still haven't worked out what day of the week it is, never mind anything else. Bit of dust being thrown up. As many people would say that was situation normal for me anyway without any other prevailing situation. Uh, it's uh, Liquid Molly, Mary's Corner. Dust thrown up there as a little gaggle of cars went through and there was a few improvements there as well. Shane Van Gisbergen, remember, with the fastest time so far in this session. And how appropriate is this? Two minutes, 4.888 for the car that bears that same three-digit number. I like that. That's a bit of And in the lane symmetry. now, so I'm wondering if we'll see Maxi Goats jump behind the wheel for a stint or if Shane, who's only done the four laps, will continue on with eight and a little bit minutes to go, eight minutes and 50 seconds remaining in this final practice session of the day. There's another hit out tomorrow morning, which could be the fastest session of the weekend. Oh, yeah. Cooler ambient and track conditions at about 8.30 tomorrow morning. There's still times popping up. The, the numbers aren't huge in terms of what GT3 cars are capable of here at Mount Panorama, but in the context of the session, it's good. And what it is doing is condensing the whole field, starting to group themselves together in more of an indication of what we're going to see in qualifying tomorrow. By that I mean there's 0.4 of a second covering the top seven cars. And there's a couple of AMGs at the top, then a Porsche, a Lamborghini, an Audi, and a couple of other AMGs in the mix with another Audi. So very close. Mace on a very good lap, having said that, in the number 22 Audi Sport Team Valvoline entry. Double winner of this race. Fastest ever man officially around Mount Panorama. And goes right to the top with a 204.80. Good mm -hmm. lap.
It's still only seven hundredths quicker than SBG's best in the Triple Eight, but Audi for the first time today, lead a practice session at Mount Panorama. Yeah, and again, really good mileage from Chris Meese as well. That car's been getting lighter and lighter through the session. Liberati, I don't think, has come back in yet. So that's a 20-odd lap stint after he did an out-lap, which became an in-lap. Oh, 17, 17, there we go. Yeah, yep. so you're right. Find the right column there. And uh, 17, so they're, they're obviously uh, dummying a, a, a stint length in the number 18 uh, KCMG Nissan. And we will... Well, suggesting that Liberati might be replaced before we read up on the regulations. I don't know, because the pace is very, very good on average lap times, and that's what all the uh, the team managers will be clo paying close attention to when we get to race format. Well, even a, a best lap time of a 2.059 is very handy to get yourself in Certainly, the top yeah. 10. It's only 1.1 off the quickest time of the session so far. Good Matteo, lap. Matteo Cairoli in the other of the absolute racing cars now into the top 10. So the Italian Cairoli setting a 2.06.1 in his number nine car. And further down the order, fastest first sector of the day, or at least of the session, timing screen has gone purple for Anton Di Pasquale, who is now behind the wheel of car 777. That's the Bend Motorsport Park entry. Second car run out of the 888 race engineering garage. Anton joins Nick Foster and the brothers Sam and Yasushihin in that car. We've started something here, I'm sorry, oh. about drivers. I'm Fellow sorry. Suds, this is actually quite an interesting question. Did you talk about being able to change drivers for force majeure? Um, but what, is there any wiggle room, I suppose is what he's saying, to, to add an extra driver to account for excessive heat? I'd say no. It, it would be an argument. It should be, you'd be in the race at that point if somebody you know, couldn't complete because of that. Well, I tell you what, they're, they're two years ago, Grove Racing added Brenton Grove to the car. No, correction, added Daniel Gaunt to the car, I yes, think, from memory, in Class B, because Brenton was very ill, yeah. throwing up in the car. So Gaunt was there, hadn't driven a lap in qualifying, from memory. Um, which is not great at the best of times, um, and jumped into that car, and they went from three drivers to four. So it, it's exceptional circumstances, and you'd need to go and argue the case. Please, with, your case. Yeah, yeah, with the race stewards. And again, it'll come down to common sense, fella suds. Thanks for tweeting that in, at RSL underscore studio. Um, it, it comes down to common sense. Nobody wants a car not to be able to uh, complete the race, but there's safety and other aspects to think of as well. You can't just drag... For example, someone out the commentary box just because they've got a, the right license who hasn't driven here before. It would have to be somebody who knew their, their way around at new top time. Mm. Yeah, great lap, Anton. Deep Pasquale carried on with that first sector we were talking about. Personal best across the middle and down the hill, 204.45. And we're starting to get into a bit of a happy hour now. Mm -hmm. Four and a half minutes to go. Quite a bit of colour on the timing screen. Dries Van Thorin, car two, currently shown as being on the fastest lap of the session. That's the fastest of the day, by the way, because I know yes. Chris Meese and Shane Van Gisbergen got close to it, but the first 204.7 sub-lap, if you like, because the middle sector, middle practice, rather, of the three we'd had previously, um, it was a Raffaele Marciello time, a 204.7, but we're now down uh, to a 204.4, John. And it underlines what Crelsey was saying early on. That's a Pro-Am car, but Anton de Pasquale 
is very much a pro driver and knows his way around. Um, we do need to get the triple eight and the triple nine just to find a bit of time because I'm slightly disturbed by the fact that we've got triple seven in first position. Uh, and then the interloper of Chris Mason said, oh, Ke no, Kelvin von der Linde. Yeah, but what can triple I say? Two. Triple two. Oh, man, that's completely ruined it. I wanted triple seven, triple eight, triple nine as the top three. Come on, fellas. Good mm -hmm. lap, van der Linde. Very Straight good to lap. second. The Audis look racy early on. The margin, 0 0.02 between himself and Anton Di Pasquale. Mies shuffled back to third. Top six within six tenths of... Check that. Wow. Chopped eight within six tenths of a second. And then the big squally comes back again, yep. Grilzy. Another great lap from the young man who has driving for Triple Eight this weekend. Races for Erebus Motorsport and the supercars full time. He is going to be a great champion of supercars racing at some point in his career. Everyone's pretty certain about that. Massive talent. Came from the Paul Morris School of Driver Training. Great character as well. Very smart young man. Very good lap. Back-to-back, 2.045, then a 4.3. And the margin just 0.1 of a second over van der Linde. Mies third, Van Gisbergen back to fourth, but circulating and going quickly on a very good lap. And the sunlight's just come off the circuit a yeah, little bit too Yeah, exactly gents. what so I was going to say. There's a bit more energy in the circuit now, right at the very end of this session. And Krilzy, if this was the last moment of standard qualifying, Look at how close it is from 10th on down mm. right now. Less than a tenth of a second, covering four or five cars. Shit, Adam. Finally found Dirk Mueller getting out of the GT4 Mercedes. It's the Australian debut of that car. Looks great. It's going to be a fan favorite, but how is it going? Yeah, it's going really good so far. First of all, thanks for, for being here. I mean, everybody is so lovely here. Mark is so cool. I mean, Mark picked me up uh, the other day at the airport. We had a good three-hour drive here in our Merc uh, E63S. It was lovely. We just can't speed. That's that's the only bummer because the car is made for it. And, um, you know, I think since the first moment till now, I'm still laughing because, uh, you know, each second he's having a choke. It's a good bloke. Um, the whole team is good. Um, I've never been here in Bathurst, so for me, it's a big thrill. Um, when he gave me the first lap in his car, I was like blown away from the altitude. It's super narrow up the hill, and then, but it's lovely to drive. Uh, the GT4 MG is a, is a really nice car. It's a good car. And uh, I believe you're going to see a lot more GT4s in the near future. It's been a long time since you've had to deal with being passed. I mean, prototypes is one thing for sure in EMSA, being a part of the Ford GT program. But here it's going to be totally different with 33 GT3 cars. How are you expecting to uh, deal with that? You know what? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I probably have tinklicks more of my heartbeat because you're basically sitting on your mirror. The tough part is up in the mountain, there's no space. So there's one line. So um, I feel it. I know how I would attack from behind because we have that uh, situation at the uh, Life when I'm doing the 24-hour races there. Uh, and definitely like back in IMSA times, uh, you know, with uh, DDDs. Um, but I tell you, the G23s are fast. They're really, really fast. And uh, that's going to be the key, uh, not getting hit, staying out of trouble and um, looking forward to it. Good luck, Dirk. Thanks. And how about that? Mark Griffiths needed a couple of guys to drive with him. He finds Dirk Mueller and Harrison Dewey. Not cool. bad. Very good. Good interview. I like, I like that. I like what Dirk said. He's a top bloke, top, top bloke. Known him for a long time. And he's always going to, uh, about his racing in exactly the same way. Getting down to the money laps, Krilzy. 
Shane Van Gisbergen to the top and first into the threes for today. 203-9-6. Eclipse is his teammate. It's a bit of a quality battle at the moment because Anton's on a lap as well and has improved overall. So may well topple SVG on this final fly. The chequered flag has just dropped. Kelvin van der Linde third. He's in pit lane. Chris Meese fourth in pit lane. Felipe Fraga behind the wheel of the triple nine entry from Grupa M Racing. They're in fifth position and still circulating. But we're looking at Anton Di Pasquale. He's on a very good lap. Fastest of anybody to the first split. Van Gisbergen fastest across the top of the mountain. But Anton has gone within a few tenths of matching him. So this final little run out of the final corner here at Mount Panorama. Here he comes. Across the line. Doesn't do it. The final split wasn't great. And uh, he does a 204.16. It was still his personal best lap yeah. of the day. And ends 0.2 of a second behind SVG. And that's not a bad comparison between the new Mercedes and the old one, is it? Because mm. the 888 uh, Shane Van Gisbergen car, mm. Gisbergen car is a uh, 2020 spec AMG GT3 and then Anton Di Pasquale really running him close with an absolute best sector time through the first split so looking good again those two those two Benzes up Audi Mountain straight two Mercedes two Audis so a triple eight triple seven triple two twenty two triple nine that's another Mercedes of course then the number four Porsche the Grove Porsche in sixth position Second now separating the top six when it was barely six tenths not so very long ago And that's just down to that additional pace at the front of the field and the first uh, Sub two minute and four second lap that we've seen so far this race week Yeah, great lap and I think the little cloud cover that we got for the last five minutes of that session Just added a bit of spice to the very end of what's turned out to be quite a tight qualifying session only five cars covered by a second but sixth, which is the Grove Group car, that 5-0 of Ben Barker lasted the whole session down to 16th place covered by a second. It is phenomenally close, Shay Adam. Just came into the Triple Eight garage and uh, Maxi Goats is standing by. Maxi, your car, top of the charts for the end of this session, the last one of the day, so you get to sleep on it. You satisfied with that lap time? Yeah, we are satisfied so far. Uh, we did uh, good progress during the day, and uh, yeah, it's uh, nice to be back here and with uh, our new new car, with uh, Evolution, uh, we brought out uh, this year, so it's quite quite good. And I think um, it's all about to prep yourself and the team for for the big one on, on Sunday morning. Um, and I think we did, did good, very good steps, and uh, Shane had a good run now, and we are up up on p1 uh, which is uh, good but it's uh, you know it's not the end of the game you're someone who's very good to ask about this what are the biggest differences when you're behind the wheel of the old car to the new evolution in the end it's evolution and uh, the, the the frame and the base is, is similar very similar uh, we've we've got some changes on the front um, so the whole front looks looks different first of all uh, we've got a different aero package on it and also on the rear bumper um, so this changed and then a little details like the ABS system is, is new uh, We've got a new uh, rear wing um, Adjustment on the back side of the car So there are little adjustments and we try to solve the, the weaknesses of the of, of the old one um, And I think we did a good step uh, with this one and let's see if it works or, or not during the race then Made it to the podium last year. Good luck making it a couple steps higher. Yeah, thank you so much Very good. Very good uh, from uh, Maxi Goats there giving us an insight into those two different AMGs. Uh, let's have final thoughts from Johnny Palmer, first of all. Uh, I mean, a disappointing day for 
had a, had a trying day for KCMG, uh, for, for Bentley. How do yeah. you sum up today? Yeah, and some near misses, though, as well, because I think the situation with Mauro Engel in the 77 Mercedes could have been a heck of a lot worse with suspension failure on that car and not into an easy part of the circuit. Destination New South Wales, Ben, Griffin's Ben, the right-hander, and backwards into the barrier. Amazed that that 77 car could return so quickly and be straight on the pace. We've also had a scare for Scott Dixon at the elbow during that last session. I think, really, the, the final session of the day, free practice four, a lot of the teams were more focused on how the car might evolve over a longer period of time. But it was good to see some very special laps towards the end from SVG and a sub two minute four lap. Uh, and underlining what we've been seeing all day, to be honest, Creelsey, people, you know, th this is a unique racetrack. You don't get time on it. It's going to change significantly. You might even say that the best if it stays dry, the best the track will be is, is on the last lap of the 12 hours on Sunday in terms of how the rubber gets laid down, the temperatures. So at the moment, people are still finding their way. Yeah, it's advantage, obviously, Triple Eight Race Engineering for mine. Their cars are one and two. Um, and if we're looking purely ahead to qualifying at the moment, it's so important to get that one lap pace. And we bang on about qualifying, but this race has never been won from lower than seventh on the grid. Yeah. So you still need to qualify well. It's so important, especially given the only night running this whole weekend is the first 45 minutes of the motor race. Yeah. So they're probably the most perilous 45 minutes of racing in terms of keeping your car straight of the season. I think it's the most exciting 45 yep. minutes of any motor racing anywhere in the world. So dialing in one lap paces early. At the moment, AMG looks unbelievably strong across all of their cars. Audi very much in the same boat, the triple two and the 22, especially third and fourth. Dries Van Thor in the two car in there. So all three cars in the top seven. The Porsches there or thereabouts was really impressed with Brenton, um, with Ben Barker's lap, sorry, in the Brenton and Stephen Grove number four car. He was fastest in Pro-Am for the, I think, third time from four sessions today so far, which was great. Um, and also the FFF Racing Lamborghini. That's a big tick for mine. We haven't seen a factory Lambo in this field before. That's as close as we're going to get. That's a really good outfit with Eighth really position. good drivers, and they were really impressive today. Yeah. So a lot of boxes ticked. Um, big downer, as JP said, the Bentleys. That's, that's such a massive drama that they've had. And disappointing to lose the 35 car while... The sister KCMG entry has been pretty quick all weekend. So some work to be done, as always, on a Friday night at Mount Panorama. Uh, it's Richard Creel and Johnny Palmer in the booth with me. John Hindoff, Cher Adam was our eyes, ears and interviewer down in the... At least they said interrogator down there in the pit lane. That's normally when we have Joe Bradley, who spent most of his working life as a police officer. He gets good answers, though, I do. I will give him that. Thank you, Cher. You did very well uh, down there today on your own. Uh, a big thank you to all of our technical crew, as ever, particularly Curry back in London, where it's five o'clock in the morning. Uh, take it easy. There's still one or two bits and pieces to come here at the circuit station, 87.8 FM. Uh, and if you want to come and see the Radio Show Limited team, we'll be down at the Oxford about five o'clock with a glass of lemonade in front of us. And we'll be talking nonsense about motor racing, which is what we do best. Thank you very much for being with us today. More action from the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours on Saturday with final qualifying and the Pirelli Top 10 shootout as we build towards that darkness start on Sunday. And it's all live on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.